Welcome to the sermon podcast for First Christian Church of Warsaw, Indiana. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Please visit us at FCCWarsaw.com to learn more about our church or to make plans to be with us on a Sunday morning. Again, that's FCCWarsaw.com. Hey, good morning, everybody. Last Sunday, we started this new series, God's Wisdom Works, and over the course of the summer, we're going to be exploring the wisdom of God out of the Old Testament book of Proverbs, and I laid out a challenge for you last week, maybe you recall, to read one chapter of Proverbs a day for the duration of this series, and how'd you do with that this last week? I know several of you have been telling me that you are on it, you're reading it, that's awesome, so good job. If you started it, keep it up. Uh, If you had good intentions but it didn't happen, just dive right in this week. And if this is the first you're hearing of it, just start with chapter 1 today or tomorrow and you can have a good time reading along with us. Don't need to be on any particular chapter. We're just trying to have God's wisdom of Proverbs running through us in this series so that when we come to some of the different things that Proverbs says, we'll be like, yeah, I've read that. Or maybe on a certain day, something in particular speaks to you as you're reading it. It's an amazing book to be able to learn from. Well, the theme verse for the whole book of Proverbs is chapter 1, verse 7, which says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And we looked at that verse rather extensively last Sunday, and we talked about how when we find our identity and reality in God, and then we build life outward from there, life just works. Life works better when God's wisdom is at the center of all of it, because his way of wisdom makes our lives work better. Proverbs, you're going to find out, is an immensely practical book that's designed to show us how to put God's wisdom into practice in just about every conceivable area of our lives. And today we're going to begin with one of those areas, and we're going to talk about the area of work. Everybody say, yeah, all right? That's what I thought. Okay, so we're going to talk about work today, our labor, our jobs, what we do for a living. Now, for for the Christian... Work is something that often gets removed from our life with Jesus. It's almost like sometimes we come to church and we spend time with Jesus so that we can put work on hold, so that we can forget about work, so we don't have to worry about it. So we spend time with Jesus and we forget about work for a time, but then we go to work and we forget about Jesus. Why would that ever be the case? Part of the reason this could happen is because I think societally we've done a good job of taking some of the meaning out of work. And the classic example of the meaninglessness of work is the cartoon strip Dilbert. Any of you in here Dilbert fans or ever read Dilbert? Okay, I figured some of you would be. Dilbert America, and he toils away in a mundane routine that lacks any semblance of purpose, and a lot of contemporary workers resonate with him because his life is a lot like theirs when it comes to work. I want to show you a recent Dilbert cartoon strip. Okay, take a look at this one up here on the screen. So Dilbert goes to his boss, a pointy-haired boss, and he says, I want to raise. Pointy-haired boss says, money can't buy happiness. Dilbert says, so why do people work? The reply, to avoid unhappiness. What's my best case scenario here? Pointy-haired boss says, I'll motivate you toward a neutral, zombie-like existence. That's where many workers find themselves today. Having to work so that they have money, but while doing the work, they feel like they're being reduced to a zombie-like existence. Now, I want you to know that the book of Proverbs presents a much more integrated and purposeful way of living than something that's presented in a comic strip like that to make us laugh. Proverbs shows us that diligent labor 
is the way to a meaningful, responsible, and useful life. And Proverbs has things to say about work, whether you're somebody who works full-time, whether you're somebody who works part-time, whether you're somebody who's a homemaker, whether you're retired, or whether you're a student. All of us have tasks. All of us have work. All of us have things that we're called to do on a daily basis, and the wisdom of Proverbs speaks into that. So let's dive into this and grab a couple of truths here today from the book of Proverbs about work. First, wise workers, according to Proverbs, will view work as a blessing, not as a curse. You know, sometimes we hear of work spoken of almost as like it's a necessary evil, or even as a curse that resulted uh, as a result of human sin. That's something maybe some people would say to be avoided, like, boy, you really have a good life if you can avoid having to do work, some would say. Now, the book of Proverbs has a nickname for people who like to avoid work at all costs. It's not a real positive term, but they're called slackers. Or in some translations of the Bible, they're called sluggards. That's a pretty beautiful word, isn't it? This makes you think of a useless slug just kind of sitting there, right? But that's, that's the word that Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs, Solomon uses for people who just like, I want to avoid work at all costs. Work is a curse. I don't want to do it under any circumstance whatsoever. Uh, listen to some of these descriptions here of how the slacker or the sluggard is described in the book of Proverbs. Chapter 24, verses 30 and following. Solomon says, I went by the field of a slacker and by the vineyard of one lacking sense. Thistles had come up everywhere, weeds covered the ground, and the stone wall was ruined. I saw and took it to heart. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber and your need like a bandit. So there's Solomon just, again, he's writing Proverbs teaching us how God has designed life to work. He's observing life, and there he went by somebody who thought work was a curse. He went by their house and like, well, yep, um, everything's in disarray, and their life has come to poverty because they're not doing anything. That's not all the time something would happen like that or the key reasons why somebody would not have much. But again, Proverbs, Proverbs is Solomon looking at life, and he's like, hey, more often than not, people who refuse to work have nothing. That was his observation. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13, has something else to say about the slacker. The slacker says, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. Like, I can't leave my house and go to work. It's dangerous out there. Don't you know how dangerous it is? So they come up with excuses, like all kinds of excuses not to go to work. That's the slacker. Oh, it's too dangerous. Can't do it. I'll be killed. Proverbs chapter 26, verses 14 and 15. A door turns on its hinges and a slacker on his bed, just rolling over and over and over, never wanting to get up. The slacker buries his hand in the bowl and he's too weary to bring it to his mouth. Man, talk about lazy, right? I had oatmeal this morning and I was pretty lazy. I didn't feel like making much for breakfast, but I wasn't too lazy to actually bring the spoon up to my mouth. But Solomon's looking at really lazy people who avoid work at all costs, and they're like, yeah, he says, I've known people like that. Uh, they think work is a curse. They think anything that, that smacks of effort is something to be avoided. Now, God's not designed work to be a curse. The Bible never presents it that way. 
And Solomon is writing the book of Proverbs in the flow of all biblical history. And so he knows that when God created Adam and Eve, the first two human beings, that God placed them in, a, in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was perfect in every way. It was lush, it was abundant, it was fruitful. It was the absolute most ideal environment for hu- human existence. Perfect climate, kind of like what we're going to have hopefully coming up here in the next few days. lived in a perfect climate with perfect surroundings, perfect food, perfect peace, perfect harmony. I mean, it was paradise, absolute paradise. What do you think of when you hear the word paradise? I want to give you a couple of pictures here, and I'll I'll give you choice A or choice B, and you can tell me which one comes more close to your picture of paradise in your mind, okay? So which is your idea of paradise? A, picture A here. Would that be your picture? So which do you say would come closer to paradise? <laughs> All right, that's, that's a bit of a joke, and I realize that's also kind of pre-COVID work because some people are still working from home. But nonetheless, it's kind of how we think sometimes, isn't it, right? Paradise is where we go to escape work. Paradise is where I don't have to do any work. But nothing could be, nothing could be further from the truth in how God describes it in Proverbs because That's how the slacker would think. Nothing could be further from paradise than having to work, a slacker would say. But did you realize that work existed in paradise in the Bible? Did you know that? Work existed in paradise. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Look at at this verse up here on the screens. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to do what, everybody? To work it. And to take care of it. Now, again, this is paradise. Absolute perfect environment. The most perfect thing a loving Heavenly Father could create for His beloved children. The Garden of Eden. I'm giving you this to enjoy in every way. And included in that enjoyment was what? Was work. Yeah. Now, notice, again, this was before Adam and Eve sinned. This was before they disobeyed God. This was before the fall of humanity. Work doesn't begin after Adam and Eve disobey God. What's new after that moment is that they have to work in an imperfect imperfect environment. But work was something that a loving creator, Heavenly Father, gave to his children in paradise. It was a gift that he gave them, not a curse. I'm guessing that today you may not say that you work in paradise. I'll just guess that. But Jesus wants you to know that your work in and of itself is not a curse. Far from it. It's actually a blessing from God, something that he gives to us as humans, because work has worth, it has dignity, it's something that gives purpose to human life. It's a blessing from God. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23 says, There is profit in all hard work, but endless talk leans only to poverty. So when you head to work this week, God would have us heed the wisdom of Proverbs and say, Yes, the fact that I get to do this is a blessing. Work itself is a gift from God. 
if I just complain, if I view it as a curse, if I just want to talk incessantly about how awful it is, that's not wise. Proverbs says that kind of talk would only lead to poverty and make me a slacker. But there's profit in all hard work for those who are able to do it. And I realize that some of us hearing this today, maybe, maybe we have a, a disability that keeps us from being able to work. Maybe some of us are wanting to find employment, but it's hard to find what we want to do right now. I, I get that, and so does our loving Heavenly Father. But he's designed work, and every one of us have tasks this coming week. And the work itself is a blessing from God, and that he gave you an ability to do it. All right, so that's how the wise approach work. They view it as a blessing, not as a curse. Secondly, the wise will do work as a ministry. The wise do work as a ministry. You may not like what you do. All right, you may agree with Proverbs that it says work itself is a blessing, but you may not like what it is you do when you get up and go off to work, possibly tomorrow or tonight if you're on the late shift. You may not like what you do, but the wisdom of Proverbs says do the work as a ministry. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29 says, Do you see a person skilled in his work? He will stand in the presence of kings. He will not stand in the presence of the unknown. Solomon there is just observing somebody who's very skilled at what they do with their hands or the work that they do. Good work for the Christian is a way to display God-given gifts, God-given abilities. And it's a treat to see a true craftsman at their craft. These kinds of skills come from God, and they reveal his creativity in us. So we should seek to do good work for the glory of God, but then not be surprised if in the course of doing that work that God has skilled or gifted us to do, that it maybe would even lead to some kind of earthly acclaim. That's not guaranteed, but it's likely, if we use the skills that God has given us in a skillful way, that it will lead to some kind of recognition or reward or even pay in that regard. Those who've disciplined themselves to become highly skilled in their profession will become the kind of people that are sought out, that are desired, that are given opportunities to do even different kinds of projects than before. That's just God's way of wisdom. It's how he's designed life and work to work. Whether we're a manager, whether we're a teacher, whether we're an assembly worker, a banker, a driver, a restaurant worker, graphic designer, mechanic, nurse, doctor, lawyer, business owner, custodian, or clerk, whether we're any of those things, God has given us skills to use, and when we use those skills, we're displaying his creativity. Whether we work for the government, whether we work for a publicly traded company, whether we work for a nonprofit, or whether we work for a family-owned business, whenever we do work, God's giving us the opportunity to show the skill that he has given us, and then our work becomes a ministry. I like how the Apostle Paul, the follower of Jesus, worded this in the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. You want to read this out loud with me here as it comes on the screen? It says, whatever you do, is it up there? Yeah, let's read it. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Yeah, that's a parallel to what Proverbs was talking about. Do you see someone skilled in their labor? Well, yeah, they, they work using God-given abilities 
as though they're and working with all their heart as though they're working for the Lord, not for human masters. There's a religious sociologist by the name of Robert Wuthno did some research and he found out that 25%, less than 25% of working people who attended church every Sunday said that their faith influenced their career choice. So that was his research. Less than a quarter of all church-going people would say that their faith had any influence on their career choice. Further, he found that only 60% of workers who attend church weekly said that they even thought a fair amount in the past year about how their work related to their faith. That's pretty sad. And I wonder if maybe that isn't a result of some kind of compartmentalization where faith is put like in the private sphere of our lives and then our work is put in the public sphere. And we were able to compartmentalize things. And again, like I was talking about earlier, we go to church to forget about work and then we sadly sometimes go to work and forget about Jesus. How could that ever be? Well, the only way that it could be is if we compartmentalize those things and segment them apart in our lives. Now, some of you maybe this morning here are saying, but my work is so boring, it's mundane. It couldn't possibly be something that actually could ever become a ministry. But truly, all work, whether it's supposedly boring or routine or mundane, becomes meaningful when we do it for the Lord, when we use the skill that God has given us and we do it as though we're working for him. The challenge for us as workers is to do good work and to view it as, and to do it, not only view it, but to do it as a ministry at the same time. Let me show you a couple of diagrams here, which hopefully will make a little bit of sense of this. All right, take a look at this pie chart diagram here. This is how some of us view life. We're hoping to have a balanced life where everything falls into place in our lives. Starting on the left there in the green, maybe we would say in our lives there's a physical aspect, a spiritual, financial, family, mental, work and social area of our lives. And we're striving for balance in all those things so that nothing gets too out of whack, right? I hear a lot of people talk about this. And I've been to seminars where people have shown diagrams of this in the past, work-related things, leadership-related things. Maybe you have as well. I want a balanced life. Everything fits in there. And what, what always just shocks me when people show a diagram like this as though it's a good thing is that they have a spiritual component in there. Friends, life does not work when all we have is a spiritual component or a spiritual portion of our lives. Jesus never encouraged a quote-unquote balanced life. He wants us to have a God-centered life, which would look a little bit more maybe like this diagram here, where God's at the center of everything, and from that then we have aspects of our life that are mental, social, physical, work-related, financial, or family-related. But God is at the center of everything. When God's at the center of everything in our lives, all other things come under his dominion. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, which we looked at last week. The fear of the Lord is the what? It's the beginning of knowledge. It's the starting point. Openness to God. Eagerness to please him, a humility before him, that posture before God is the starting point, the beginning point of a life that is filled with knowledge and wisdom. When God is at the center of everything, all other things come under his dominion. So what's the connection between our worship of God on Sunday and our secular quote-unquote jobs that maybe we do the other times of the week other than Sunday morning? The connection is that it has to begin with God. Why we do it, how we do it, 
what we're accomplishing. All of that begins with God and then goes outward. And that's the wisdom of Proverbs. But when we begin with work itself, we become Dilbert. I don't want to be Dilbert. I don't want to be a slacker. I don't want to be a slugger. And I'm sure you don't either. The wise begin with God. And life radiates outward from there. A writer by the name of Ken Eldred suggests that one integrative model that highlights a threefold Christian ministry focus at work. I think this is pretty solid. So let me show you this here before we wrap up this morning. He says that in the workplace, a believer has a ministry at work, pointing those around us to God. And in that, he's talking about something that we would refer to here as the blessed practices, that we go to work with a ministry at work where we're thinking about, God, how can I bless these people around me? How can I listen to the conversations taking place? Can I find a coworker to eat with? Is there a way I can serve them and show them the love of God? And when the time is right, can I share with them my story of something that God's doing in my life? That's ministry at work. Ken Eldred says, though, that believers also have a ministry of work, where we're serving and creating via work itself. Like Proverbs was saying, when we're skilled at it, we show the skill of God working through us. But believers also in a redemptive fashion, remember Jesus talked about when we were going through the Sermon on the Mount series, how we're salt and light here on earth and we have a redemptive aspect, we have a healing aspect, we have a purpose-giving aspect to the planet as well. We also as believers have a ministry to work itself where we're redeeming the practices, policies, and structures of institutions. And when we are working for the Lord, not for human masters, we, begin, we bring this redemptive element to the workplace where we go. So that when you find yourself at work this next week, it's not a Dilbert experience. It's a Holy Spirit on fire moment where you're bringing the person and presence of Jesus Christ with you as you minister to others, as you do a ministry of work itself, and as you do something within the structure in which you work that brings redemptive potential. I know that's kind of heady stuff, but it's awesome when we get to be followers of Jesus and we bring our full selves redeemed by Jesus to the table. Isn't that cool? Work isn't meaningless. Work isn't void of purpose. Work is where it's at, where we get to bring Jesus to the world around us. Let's do it with gusto this week. Let's bring our very best into that equation so that Jesus is there and we're wise when we do it. Let me just take a moment and pray for you here before Jeremy leads us in a closing song. Father, we thank you for the challenge from your word. And today we repent of those times when we've been pretty frustrated that we have to go to work. We ask you for your help, though, because sometimes the actual things we do at work are not our favorite. And so that makes us makes us lose a little bit of the sense of the high meaning and the calling that you give us. But we're praying today, Father, that we will latch on to what you show us in your word. We'll latch on to what you show us in Proverbs. And it's a blessing to be able to work. It's not a curse. And boy, oh boy, can we bring world-changing, redemptive stuff when we do this as a ministry. And we bring the skill and we bring the, the presence of Jesus uh, right in there to what we're doing. Father, we pray for spiritual conversations this week at work. We pray that you'll use us to be a blessing to our employers, 
We pray that you will use us to bring redemptive potential even to the, uh, the structure, the system, or the institutions in which we work. Because we're followers of Jesus, and you've changed us, and you've made us different. And we're not here just to kill time or buy time just so we can go on vacation. But we've been given real opportunities to do things with purpose behind them. And we pray that we will do them with all the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. And everybody together says, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from First Christian Church of Warsaw, Indiana. We invite you to join us for worship on an upcoming Sunday morning. Check out our website at FCCWarsaw.com for more details and information. Again, that's FCCWarsaw.com.